Hi, this is Carolyn Cooper. Welcome to the Mental Health and Faith Podcast, where we offer encouragement for life in this complicated world. Please join the conversation by entering your questions, suggestions, and insights in the comments. Enjoy the episode. Hi, I'm Carolyn. Thank you so much for coming back to listen to the second part of a series on how to encourage. If you have not listened, please go back and listen to episode two, How to Encourage, part one. That contains the first five ways, uh, the first five suggestions that I have for offering encouragement, and you won't want to miss it. Um, There are some really key things in there. I'm going to recap uh, just briefly, so, so you'll at least have those written down if you want to do that. The number one thing that I suggest doing to encourage someone is to pray for that person. Pray. Ask God to bring comfort, peace, and healing to your friend. And as you pray, God will increase your love for them. It's kind of an amazing side effect. So number one, pray. Number two, be available. When a friend needs you, be there. Pick up the phone when they call, or call back promptly. Be willing to provide comfort, even even when it may interfere with your own activities. But set boundaries, share your boundaries with your friend, and stick to them. To be available does not mean you have to be face-to-face. It simply means you will be there for them. Number three, spend time together, one-on-one, face-to-face. This is where you actually will meet together to enjoy each other's company, to build a friendship based on trust, and to, with very intentionally spending the time together as an act of encouragement, not just going out and having fun. Invite them to share a meal, go for a walk, cry together, give them hope and encouragement. That's the purpose of number three, that spending time together face-to-face. Number four was to offer offer occasional help with daily chores. When a friend is overwhelmed and working hard to heal, providing help with the normal routine can reduce the guilty feelings they may have when they know they're not getting things done. Not only are they overwhelmed, but they may start feeling guilty they're not getting things done. But just a caution, do not take over their household. Don't take over all their tasks. They still need to be responsible for themselves. And you need to be able to set boundaries when you are encouraging others. And number five was encourage participation in life. This is the just let's have fun approach. People living with mental illness or brokenness of any kind tend to isolate from the world. To draw your friend out of hiding, invite them to a Bible study or a book club or gym class. Encourage them to participate in a group activity, maybe a movie night or going bowling or miniature golf. Something with other people to get out. To remember that God has given us wonderful blessing in this life and he wants us to enjoy what he has has offered us here while we're on this earth. So those were the first five. Pray, be available, 
spend one-on-one -on -one time together, offer occasional help with daily chores, encourage participation in life, and now, number six, be a good listener. Sometimes that's all anybody wants, isn't it? Is just for someone to listen to them. And I would say someone to hear them. Not just listen to the sound of your voice going in their, their brain, but to actually hear and understand what you're trying to say. Give your friend plenty of opportunities to talk, share, cry, express their feelings, uh, you know, whether you're in person or on the phone. You do have to be a little cautious because if you're on the phone, you want to make, make sure and be extra careful that your voice inflections do not sound impatient or bored or anything like that. And if the other person starts getting the feeling you don't really want to be listening to them, then just use your words and assure them that you do. So if you're on the phone, you have to watch a little bit of your voice inflections. If you are face-to-face, Really be mindful of your nonverbal uh, behaviors. You don't want to listen to them with your eyes darting back and forth to the door or with your body poised in a way that, that looks like you really want to get up and run instead of sitting there and hearing them and listening to them. Be a good listener. I thought it might be nice to pull up some scriptures on listening, and it was interesting because when I was doing some looking around, I discovered that in the book of Job, probably no surprise here, <laughs> in the book of Job, there are 23 times in the New Living Translation, 23 verses that say, listen. If you're familiar with the book of Job, you know that it's a conversation back and forth between Job and his friends. God pitches in his, his input at the end of the book, which is, uh, spoiler alert, God's voice is the one you really want to listen to, <laughs> but Job and his friends are having a conversation. Job wants them to listen. They want Job to listen to them too. And so this may sound familiar to you. Here are some of the, the things that they've said to each other through the book of Job. Job 9.16 And even if I summoned him and he responded, I'm not sure he would listen to me. Okay, so that's a little bit of a pessimistic viewpoint, but you know you mean. You don't want somebody to think that about you, that you wouldn't really want to listen to them. They have to know that, yes, you do want to be there. You do want to listen. Job 13, 6. Listen to my charge. Pay attention to my arguments. Job 13, 17. Listen closely to what I am about to say. Hear me out. This is one reason I, I like the New Living Translation sometimes. It really is a conversational approach to Scripture. It's, it captures the essence of the events. It's not a strictly textual translation, but it captures the events and expresses it in a way that, as you probably can tell from the verses I've already read, we really can relate to some of what uh, what this is saying here. The language of this really speaks to us kind of where we are. So a couple more verses. Job 33, 1. Listen to my words, Job. Pay attention to what I have to say. Job 21, verse 2. Listen closely to what I'm saying. 
that's one consolation you can give me. So that expresses what, what I was saying before, that sometimes this is one thing that you want someone to do for you, and that is to listen, to show that you care. So that's number six, be a good listener. Number seven, share your concerns honestly. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, it's very important when we are encouraging someone that we are not enabling them. We don't want them to stay depressed. Encouragement is not being very kind to them and nice to them in a way that says, it's okay if you stay in that place. No, that's not what we want for that person. That's not what God wants for that person. So our acts of kindness, our attempts to listen to them, anything we do that is an act of encouragement should also be something that could lift them up from that place to give them hope that there is a better solution for them. That, that life can get better. So when you're sharing your concerns, honestly, you're letting them know, hey, there's, there's something that you need to think about that maybe you haven't thought about. It's okay to say, I love you. I don't want you to be hurting. I want to be here for you. But when you do this certain behavior, it hurts me, and I don't know what to do. Now, as a, as a real-life example, my family responded this way to me, which was wonderful. Uh, when I was bed-bound with my depression, uh, 20 years ago, it's been 20 years, when I was bed-bound with my depression, my husband would tell me, I don't know how to help you. I feel helpless. What can I do? He was sharing his concerns honestly with me. He didn't just ignore me. He didn't just pat me on the head every day and say, oh, I'm sorry, you're still in bed. Uh, he, he would express with me, I don't know how to help you. One day, my children did this for me as well. They shared honestly with me. They said, Mom, come for a walk. And we said, and of course, I was in bed. I said, no, don't really feel like getting up, getting out, doing anything. They said, come on, Mom, let's go for a walk. We're not going without you. Now, that was a nice way of encouraging and making a little bit of a stronger statement, basically saying, you need to get up. We need you to get up and be with us. We need you to get up and take a walk with us. They shared honestly with me, but in a loving way. And you can tell those are two stories that I will never forget on how my family supported me in an honest way. That was encouragement. Encouragement, but not enabling. So number seven is share your concerns honestly. Number eight is offer to be an accountability partner. The journey to an emotionally healthy life is not easy if you have a mental illness or are going through a season of life where you are uh, especially overwhelmed with situations, our friends need our support when they are in that place. But they also need our encouragement to persevere, 
Again, it goes back with sharing the concerns honestly. The next step to sharing concerns honestly is to encourage them to persevere and be or offer to be an accountability partner. But again, setting your boundaries. Only do this if you have time and are willing to commit to the task. As accountability partners, you would be entering into a mutual agreement to touch base at a specific time or in a time frame that works for both of you. Basically, you would come up with an agreement of how often to check in and what is it that you're checking in on. In the past, I've had an accountability partner for my eating habits. I've had a spiritual accountability a, par uh, a spiritual accountability partner to help me stay focused on living out the spiritual disciplines in my life, like prayer and Bible study. And I have had an, a mental health accountability partner who I simply share with and talk with on a regular basis about here's how therapy is going or here's how my medication is working, things like that. So this is something, this is a, an area that really is open to what is best for your friend, what your friend need, needs, and what you are able to provide is that accountability. I will get something posted on the uh, podcast website in the episode resources page. I will put some resources there on what it means to be an accountability partner, because I think this is one of the most important things that uh, that can help someone to move past the pain that they may be going through in their lives. I want to read another scripture for you now from 2 Timothy. And these are words that Paul sent out to Timothy, his young protege, his young minister in, to the gospel in Ephesus and other places. But he was writing some instructions to Timothy on how to be in relationship with the people that he was serving. Uh, Paul said, I solemnly urge you, in the presence of God and Christ Jesus, who will someday judge the living and the dead when he comes to set up his kingdom. And here's what Paul is, is instructing Timothy to do in verse 2. Preach the word of God. Be prepared, whether the timing is favorable or not. Patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage your people with good teaching. In other words, you're not just going to get up there and be nice, share the truth of the gospel, and leave it at that. You're taking it a step forward. You're moving it past simply sharing to motivating another person to take action. And that's part of what an accountability partner can do, is to encourage someone to take action for their own wellness. And in the process, to be, you need to be patient while you're doing it. An individual working through the symptoms of mental illness or the effects of trauma will experience many ups and downs. They need to know you are there for the long haul. They need to know that you love them and are not going to abandon them if they have a down day. It's easy to encourage someone when they're in a good place. It's not so easy to encourage someone when they are having a dark day and they don't even want to talk to you or look at you or they say mean things or bad things. Be patient. Realize that's part of their struggle 
to work through the things that are happening in their brains, in their hearts, in their lives. Be patient with them as they are working through their issues to get to a healthier place. Don't abandon them when they're down at the bottom. Stay with them through the ups and downs. We've made it to number 10, show unconditional love. This is so crucial. When we love a hurting person, we can make a positive impact on their recovery. It's like we're saying to them, you're important. Don't give up on yourself. I love you. I will be here for you. It helps them to start recognizing that maybe there is some kind of a purpose for their life beyond just surviving the mental illness or the grief or whatever the situation is. There is more to life than just trying to survive. When someone demonstrates that kind of love for them, they can begin to understand the way God loves them. This is um, Romans 5.8. It's just a beautiful verse. And actually, I probably will read more than just that one verse. Um, this is unconditional love. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. So what this means is this. God sent his son Jesus to come down to be our savior, to pay the price for our sin while we were still sinners. We didn't have to be good for God to say, okay, they're going to be good now. Now I'll send my son to die just in case they fall back. No, we were still sinners, and we are still sinners. God showed that great love for us, even then. Now, when someone is struggling, this is not the same thing as someone in sin, but the application, the principle, is still here. We can love someone while they are still broken. We can love someone while they are still hurting. That is unconditional love. We may not agree with some of the choices they have made in the past or may still be making. We may not agree with them. We may not accept the coping devices they have chosen to help get through a traumatic situation. We may not agree with that. We may you know, recognize that some of those things are not appropriate. We can still love them. Unconditional love is the most beautiful experience that we can show to someone, is loving them while they are still broken. Because you know what? God loves us, and we are still broken. We are still broken, sinful human beings, and he loves us. When we are telling God, why am I going through this? He still loves us. I'd like to finish up talking about unconditional love by looking at some words of Jesus himself. We're going to look at John 15, verses 12 and 13. This is my commandment. Now, in John 13, verse 34, he says, this is a new commandment. But he it's so important that he's repeating it again, just 
a couple of chapters later, not that they had chapter numbers, <laughs> but Jesus repeats this commandment multiple times in the scriptures. John 15, 12, and 13. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. So in Romans 5, 8 that I read earlier, the way Jesus loved us, the way God loves us, is to come and into the world while we still sin. We're to love others while they are still in a place of brokenness, whether that's sin whether that's simply hurt or heartache and they don't see a way out, we are to love them in that way. And Jesus adds, there is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. Now, I would suggest that in, in our society here, we don't think about laying down our actual physical life for people very often. We're not in that kind of a situation very often. But to lay down one's life, you think about some of the tips I've shared, there's a lot of sacrifice involved. If we are serious about offering encouragement to someone, it's an investment in that person. We do give up our time. We may change our schedule so that we can be available for someone. Now, all of this is done with keeping boundaries in mind for your own mental health and well-being. Remember that. I am not saying that you give up your entire life to be an encourager. No, but you can take the steps, live out the tips that I've suggested in specific circumstances with specific friends. And I know that God is so pleased when we do that, when we are there for each other. In fact, I think I'm going to start in verse 12 and just read uh John 15, 12 through 17. Listen to these words. This is my commandment, said Jesus. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends since I have told you everything the Father told me. You didn't choose me, I chose you. Wow, isn't that amazing? Jesus chose you. He chose me. That's a great place to stop for today. Loving each other is really the bottom line. And part of loving each other is offering encouragement when it's needed. Thank you for listening to my tips on how to encourage. I hope that you've gained some valuable information that will help you in your role of encourager to others. Um, I'd like to go through the top 10 just one more time for you. And please check out my podcast website where you will find this handout. And I will be putting some other information in there as well related to some of the tips. So keep an eye out for that. That'll be getting filled out in the next few weeks or so. So 10 ways to encourage. Number one, pray. Number two, be available. Number three, spend one-on-one -on -one time together. Number four, 
offer occasional help with daily chores. Number five, encourage participation in life. Number six, be a good listener. Number seven, share your concerns honestly. Number eight, offer to be an accountability partner. Number nine, be patient. Number 10, show unconditional love. I want to quickly promote the September podcasts. September is Suicide Prevention and Awareness Month. It is a time nationwide set aside to focus on the real danger of suicide and how prevalent it is in today's world, which is very sad. Most of my podcasts are going to include interviewing uh, individuals and providing educational information, tips, uh, things to help you in your own understanding of suicide, the risks, the warning signs, things like that. But also mixed in will be some very personal stories. You will not want to miss hearing these personal stories of perseverance and hope in the midst of such uh, traumatic circumstances as suicide ideation and suicide attempts. Please join me in September and share these podcasts with others so that we can get out the word about suicide so that we can strive for a zero suicide year. Thank you so much and God bless. Thank you for joining us here at the Mental Health and Faith podcast. I hope you enjoyed the episode, and I really do look forward to hearing from you. For more information, check out my website at www.ingodscorner.org. Thank you, 